Hope you guys are ready. You already heard the reading. It talked about a coin. This is maybe a little taboo, but this is a sermon about money. You guys excited? Oh boy, a pastor talking about money. That's what you try to avoid, right? Oh, geez, they're talking about money. But it's a very big deal. And I'm sorry, but did you know this? Jesus talks about money a ton. So I'm kind of, I'm stuck, guys. I got to talk about money because Jesus talks about money. Little uh, nerdy Bible fact. Did you know 2,300 verses in the Bible are about money and resources? That's a lot. 15% of Jesus' preaching about money 11 of his 39 parables are about money so guys i'm sorry you're gonna have to hear it sometimes we're gonna have to talk about money despite it being impolite despite it being a taboo topic we talk about money because money is such a big part of our lives if i had to guess that's why jesus talks about it so much is because money has this way of affecting our choices It has a way of affecting how we live our lives. It has us affecting our decision-making. We're always weighing cost, benefit, you know? We're constantly thinking about money. But I'm going to be perfectly honest. This week, compared to last week, which was fun, what a baffling parable that was. This week just seems so straightforward, and I'm kind of bored by it. I'm going to be honest, it just seems so boring to talk about money. It just seems so boring. Obviously, you give to Caesar what's Caesar's, you give to God what's God. Who here is baffled by this? Who here is stunned by this? I do, though, think there is something maybe a little interesting is uh, in this reading. I, I, I don't understand it, but they said the Pharisees came to Jesus with this question. But does anyone remember who they teamed up with to trap Jesus? Herodians. And you're going, so what? But that's not a so what. These are actually rivaling factions of Judaism. Pharisees, obviously, like I said last week, they think Herod's a joke. They think Herod shouldn't be king. He's a fake king. He's a puppet king. Herodians, based on their name, Herod, right, would think Herod's fine. We should be happy with Herod because really, Rome could easily just... They've let us live this way and they've let Herod be king. So why don't we just go with that? Why don't we just stick with Herod? They're actually very much in okay with that status quo of, look, I get it. There are some rules that aren't ideal, but Herod's in charge. We're still Jewish. We're still very much in... Herod's people, right? And Pharisees are like, yeah, but Herod makes lots of mistakes. So there are these completely different ideologies that have together teamed up because if there's one thing they can agree on, and this is really saying something for old J-Man, they can't stand Jesus because Jesus is a threat to both parties. Jesus' disestablishment idea of like challenging so many Pharisees. But then he's also... This is Jesus. He's, people are calling him king. Do you think Herodians, King Herod's people, would be like, that's great. I'm glad you're calling him king. No, that's a concern, a big concern. So they've teamed up because really Jesus in this question is in a, um, 
damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If he says, yes, pay your taxes, he's a betrayer of his people. To say you should pay taxes, taxes aren't weird. Temple taxes have existed for a long time. In this time, they've made peace with taxes. But this is a tax that they say is paid to the emperor. The tax that's paid to the emperor is a census tax. Census is referenced a few times in the Bible as something that's a no-go for the Jewish people because they do not like the idea of your very existence being taxed. And to give to an emperor means you're participating in this idea that the emperor somehow owns these people. According to them, who owns people? God. God owns people. So there's no census tax. Herodians are like, uh, it's not ideal, obviously, but Herod's in charge. Look, there are sometimes you just got to pay the bill for Roman occupation. Them's the breaks. So if he says, don't pay your taxes, the Herodians are going to go, dude, don't you understand? You got to pay the toll. If Romans are in charge, that's what you got to do. If you don't pay the tax, I'm within my right to punish you and also ratchet out to the Romans for not paying taxes and encouraging others to not pay taxes. So regardless of what Jesus says, these two parties are going to be satisfied They're, because Jesus will inevitably mess up. And Jesus deftly handles this, right? He says, let me see a coin. Someone has a coin. A point. Jesus doesn't have a coin because Jesus is broke. <laughs> Important to realize. He's a wandering preacher. He doesn't have a lot of dough. So he says, give me a coin. And everyone has one because like, who wouldn't? If I asked for a dollar, would somebody here have a dollar? No. No, says Steve. I don't have a dollar. I'll take Venmo. I'll take PayPal. Whatever. Um, Zelle. <laughs> um, but the idea is they would have this. So they take out this coin, and he does the thing where he says, you give the Caesar what's Caesar's. And the Pharisees are like, oh! Because the spring tax. And he goes, bah, 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 bah. but give to God what's God's. And they're like, whoa. Whoa. It says they're amazed. I'm sorry, is anyone now? Is anyone here amazed? No. That's really, like, not, duh. Maybe, maybe it's because maybe it's because last week was just such a cool parable and this one just seems so straightforward, but I think I'm maybe minimalizing how powerful this is. Paying what's Caesar's to Caesar makes sense. Um, but I really think there's this challenge to us about what it means to give to God what belongs to God. I think all of us think that's unremarkable because if I would ask you, where does everything come from? You'd go, God, Right? We're good, faithful people. We come to church on Sunday. But do we act that way? I know we understand all things come from God. What belongs to God? Everything. Do we act that way? I would honestly say one of our highest virtues is the virtue of like ownership, right? To own something own our home, right? You don't want to rent. You want to own. It would be lovely. Own your own business. Be your own boss. You'd be independently wealthy. It's kind of an ideal. is just this idea that I am myself and I own me and I'm responsible for my success or my failures. I'm my own person. Oh, no, 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 no. 
But then we have all these parables. I'm sorry, we've had a heap of parables, right? And repeatedly, when Jesus talks about parables and Jesus talks about the kingdom, God's hope for all of creation, we're stuck with this idea. We're really bound by this. Every time in those parables, if we're thinking about who we are, are we ever the owners? No, we're tenants, workers in the field. We're servants, slaves. <laughs> Never at any point is in any of God's fulfillment, this image of God's realization, are we ever to possess things? And I think that's really good advice because has anyone seen the pain that comes from ownership? There is a lot of pain. And actually, there's a lot of hurt to people that sometimes comes from us. You know that a lot of wars are fought over, land disputes, who owns what. A lot of violence comes from ownership. A lot of um, rules and laws are about ownership. Ownership laws makes up a big chunk of what we do in arguments. Who owns what? Not to mention the embarrassing history of humanity in general of owning people we're opposed to this idea no god owns things we know this but something in us struggles with ownership we want to own and here's jesus saying give to god what's god's i mean we all know i think we all know what that is everything we give all things to God. That hierarchy has been destroyed of somehow money resides in some other department of reality where that's about me. That's about what I own. That's what I made. That's where my pride resides. I'm sure you all have things you're proud of. It's very human. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I have things I'm proud of. I just told the whole church about my incredible action figure collection. I'm kind of embarrassed by it, to be honest. But anyways... Um, but there are things that I'm proud of. Maybe you have something you're proud of. Maybe it's the hard work you've put towards owning a vacation home, or maybe the hard work you've put to becoming your own person. I, I get it. But are we really our own? I think that's a really hard thing for us to grasp, and I think that's a really big challenge that Jesus puts forward. I'm going to tell you guys a story about this person who taught me about ownership that I think will help you understand as well as much as it's helped me um dr mark allen powell is a matthew scholar and he's a professor and whenever he leaves he gets a house sitter and he usually picks a student from trinity lutheran seminary one of the students who live in the efficiency suites so it's these little apartments and he goes would you house sit for me and they go yeah because they want to befriend a professor right this person gets their grades so uh they're like, yeah, absolutely. And what's really wild is this house-sitting gig. He routinely tells them, I do hope you'll use the space. Because he knows they live in this little apartment. He goes, use the space. Throw a dinner party. Have people over. You'll finally have a big kitchen. Do you like to cook? They're like, yeah. And he's like, use it. Cook something. Invite people over. I don't mind at all. I want you to use the space. What a genuine, generous person. I love this. And he said, so after that would happen, I'd come back. I could probably expect it's going to be just fine, or I could be honest with myself and understand if they're hosting a dinner party, a plate might get broken. That's what it costs, you know? That's what it costs, I get it. He's hoping there won't be like cigarette burns in the couch. 
He's hoping the curtains didn't catch fire in an enormous house party with a bunch of randos. He's hoping for that. But he said, I have to be honest, that's possible. I've given ownership of my house to somebody to look after it, and they might use it poorly. He said, that's a lot like stewardship. That's a good way of thinking about ownership and caretaking and the difference between them. He says, God has given us everything, right? God has given us air to breathe. God has given us food to eat. God has given us the ability, minds to create shelters, careers, etc. But God hopes with all the abundance of goodness God has given us, we would never have somebody be hungry. There's enough food to feed everybody. But people go hungry. God would hope with the value we put on our own lives, we would never carelessly take someone else's. And God mourns that. God's heart breaks. But he says, that's like breaking or mistreating a home. He goes, the real danger that I would say concerns God more than anything is, imagine if the person who is house-sitting for me, I come home, I would be sad, obviously, if they wrecked my house. But I'd be more alarmed if I got there and the keys didn't work. So they changed the locks, right? And when you see them, they go, oh, I sleep here. I reside here. I look after this place. I've taken the trash out. I've made that bed or not made the bed. So I lie in that bed. This is my home. I look after it. He says, that of all things is what Jesus is concerned about, especially here in this Matthew text, is to never lose your mind in thinking this is somehow not God's. He says, we're living on this planet. I hope we never confuse ourselves and think this is ours. It belongs to us now. What we make of it was what we make of it. It's like, well, it isn't. It never was. If Jesus is concerned about something, it's the confusion, the lie we tell ourselves of ownership repeatedly. But this belongs to us. Money is no different. Money, just like everything, is a tool. It's not something to be worshipped and loved, admired, protected, kept, owned. It's something to be used for the kingdom come. know this but in practice what does it look like i can tell you i've seen glimpses of what the capacity is for resources to change people's lives i've seen how tap has changed people it costs to do that you know i've seen how the work in haiti is transformed with people that's just our resources and the incredible work of haitian people to lead but they need those resources so we send resources money gifts, whatever we can to help support that work. That's a holy use of something God has given us. That's a tool that God has given us to further the kingdom. I want you all to know, he's talking about coins, but he's talking about everything. Every particle of our being is for the purpose of serving the kingdom. And for that, that reason, we get these Texts that sometimes seem pretty simple. Obviously, you give your bit. Obviously, you pay your taxes. Everyone here pays their taxes? You really should. You'll get in trouble if you don't. 
Obviously, we pay our taxes. But our lives, and that includes money. Our lives, that includes our resources, our time, is for the purpose of serving the kingdom. Following Jesus reforms our understanding of money as something to be cared for, protected, into something that can be used. So good shepherd, how are we going to use all that God has given us to further the kingdom? That's our question. That's what we're living into every day. Amen.